From deep inside the vaults of the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music, here is Tom Holmes, your curator and guide to vintage electronic music and audio experimentation. episode, Synthesizer Demonstration Records, Part 1. The Sound of the ARP Synthesizer It's everywhere you listen. On television and radio, in the classroom, on stage with world-famous performers, world in nightclubs, recording Introducing studios, the RCA Electronic Music Synthesizer, a system capable of creating any sound which has ever been produced and any sound that may be imagined by the human mind. Except for the voice of the narrator, all the sounds you will hear who are produced chronic music A true synthesizer does more than produce a wide variety of new and striking musical sounds. It provides the, the oscillators create the basic sounds used by electronic music composers. Unlike an organ, the most common oscillator-produced sound a is a sine wave. Allows the musician to select and shape. Most each classic individual studios also have generators to create square Thus, waves. The musician himself constructs or synthesizes and white sound noise. Quality. Occasionally, a studio has generators for a sawtooth wave. Listen to this Art wave. Odyssey student's interesting interpretation of a or Bartok Romanian folk dance. Wave forms. The only time noise and music coincided were in the minds of avant-garde ratbag composers or on the magnetic tape of a tape recorder. God threw up his hands in resignation and said, Get it together, man. Back in the day, when hardware synths were still a thing, and before the internet, finding out just what a synth sounded like was sometimes a real challenge. If you didn't live in a major city like New York or Los Angeles that had music stores where you could go and get your hands on these instruments, you probably relied on magazines, such as Keyboard, to read up on the latest designs and offerings. But to hear a synth in action, you either needed to find a musician who had a particular model or listen to a demonstration record. These recordings were often inserted inside a magazine, such as the flexi-discs that appeared with regularity in Keyboard Magazine, or sometimes manufacturers produced their own demo discs or cassettes or flexi-discs and made them available through the mail. This episode is part one of two parts. We will explore a history of demo recordings of electronic music instruments from the 1950s up to the early 1970s the heyday of the original modular synths, including the RCA Music Synthesizer and Moog Modular Systems. 
In the next episode, we will continue the story with the demos spanning the early history of ARP up through digital synthesis and sampling in the 1980s. And who knows, as I continue to acquire demo records, I may be able to do this again sometime in the future. A common claim for the synthesizer was that it could create any sound that one could imagine, or sounds that have never been heard before. Such statements often make it into the narration of these demos. This may have been technically true, but making sounds with a synthesizer in those days turned out to be more difficult than it seemed. I don't think this was because musicians lacked imagination. I think this was because the process of synthesis was much more difficult to master than these companies let on. And the process of making music was pretty different than the process of using patch chords. The musician was basically left to fend for themselves. It is no surprise then that these demo recordings often soft pedal the difficulty of making a synthesizer work while playing up the variety of sounds and effects that could be achieved, which is what makes most of these demos so charming. So officially, what do I consider to be a demo record? It is a recording released on any medium usually but not always vinyl, produced and released by the instrument manufacturer itself to promote their product. For part one, we will hear demo records for the following. In French, a demonstration of the monophonic organ called the ondioline, which was particularly adept at imitating other instruments. Then we will hear a tutorial on analog synthesis, which uh, came prior to Moog, from RCA for its one-off product, the RCA Music Synthesizer. Then we will hear a couple of Moog recordings, one with music by Wendy Carlos, narrated by Ed Stokes, that walks through the steps of voltage-controlled synthesis. And then we will hear the innovative sounds of Chris Swanson, a musician with the Moog organization, and that disc includes music he made with the Mini Moog and other Moog products. Then we'll hear a demo for the Electrocomp Modular Synth in 1972, and a rare early recording of the Yamaha Electone, an early preset instrument designed for performance that was operated more or less like an electronic organ. Notes about each of these recordings can be found in the playlist of the podcast website. Let's listen now to the first part of Synth Demo Records. Le clavier expressif de l'ondioline permet d'obtenir des attaques différentes d'une note à l'autre. Voici tout d'abord avec un timbre violon une série d'attaques rappelant le coup d'archet martelé. Cet effet s'obtient sur l'ondioline par enfoncement rapide des touches du clavier. Voici au contraire une série d'attaques douces, obtenues par enfoncement progressif des touches du clavier. Voici maintenant un exemple d'enchaînement de ces différentes attaques. Attaque dure suivie de deux attaques douces. En enfonçant la première note brutalement, et les deux notes suivantes, mollement. 
ces possibilités expressives du clavier, ainsi que celles offertes par le vibrato manuel, permettent l'exécution correcte de traits tels ceci, extrait du menuet de Mozart avec timbre violon. façon d'enchaîner les attaques, toujours avec un timbre violon dans ce passage de Beethoven. sautiller ou piquer. La genouillère permet d'accentuer l'effet de son filet et du phrasé, comme dans cet exemple du clair de lune de Werther avec timbre violoncelle. Saxophone. Guitare hawaïenne. Basson. d'harmonie. Trombone. 
Bongos. Flûte arabe. Corps de chasse. Clarinette. Au bois. Effet burlesque. de cinéma. Synthesis of Music, an exploration of the world of musical sound, introducing the RCA Electronic Music Synthesizer, a system capable of creating any sound which has ever been produced and any sound that may be imagined by the human mind. Except for the voice of the narrator, all the sounds you will hear were produced chronic music synthesizer. No musical instruments were used and no players performed. All the musical sounds you will hear are synthesized sounds. How has it become possible for us to create all musical sounds by electronic means? The answer lies in the nature of sound as a combination of clearly defined physical characteristics which are shared by all musical tones or effects. Let's look at them one by one. The first of these characteristics is frequency, the number of vibrations per second of the sound waves striking our ears. This property of sound, which we hear as pitch, gives our musical tones their names. For example, a tone with a frequency of 440 cycles per second is called A, the pitch to which most orchestras are tuned. If we change the frequency, we also change the pitch. By increasing it to 523 cycles per second, we hear C sub 5, which is the fifth C starting from the left on the piano keyboard. Mm -hmm. 
Doubling this to 1,046 cycles per second, we rise an octave to C sub 6. Doubling this twice more to 4,186 cycles per second, we reach C sub 8, which forms the highest note on the piano. Few instruments besides the organ and the piccolo can produce fundamental tones higher than this. But let's double our frequency again to 8,372 cycles per second. The tone is C sub 9. But to reproduce this, good equipment is required. Frequencies in this region are important principally in the establishment of the overtone structure. We shall return to overtones in a moment. First, let's follow the frequency into the lower range. The familiar middle C, also denoted by C sub 4, has a frequency of 261 cycles per second. <coughs> Each time we cut frequency in half, we drop one octave. Thus, 130 cycles per second gives us C sub 3. The ear can identify the fundamental tone even if it is not heard by itself. Let us listen to a very pure tone of 32 cycles per second. Now the same tone again, with the same intensity, but with harmonics added. Harmonics not only make the low notes more audible, they also have the important function of determining the quality of musical sounds. To illustrate, let's listen to a succession of notes without overtones. Now here they are again, this time with overtones. By electronic means, it is possible to generate an infinite variety of overtone structures and therefore an unlimited number of different sounds. Middle C, with all its overtones, sounds like this. But if we emphasize the overtones in the region of 500 and 800 cycles per second, it sounds like this. And emphasis on the overtones in the region of 1,700 and 3,000 cycles per second produces an effect like this. Uh, uh. 
It is possible to go on indefinitely, demonstrating that overtones give their individual character to most musical sounds. But let's move on to another important physical characteristic. That is the envelope of a tone, a technical term that includes the growth of a tone to its full intensity, the duration of its life, and its decay. Taking the same note with which we have been working, the middle C, we find that slow growth, long duration, and slow decay give it a sound like this. When growth and decay are both rapid, it sounds like this. Now let's give it a rapid growth and immediate slow decay. And again, a rapid growth and immediate fast decay. Another physical characteristic of all musical sound is intensity, measured by the engineer in decibels and perceived as loudness. An increase of one decibel means an increase of about 20% in intensity. Let's listen to our middle C as it goes through an increase of intensity of two decibels. Again, as you can hear, two decibels is a very small increase. Let's do it again, this time with an increase of 10 decibels, which means a tenfold increase in intensity or power. And again, all of these characteristics Frequency, overtone structure, growth, duration, decay, and intensity are basic to all musical sound. But this is not quite the end of the story, because there are more properties for which we must provide, if which we must provide, if which we must provide, if we are to achieve every musical effect. Here is an example of portamento, a glide in frequency from one tone to another which we associate with the slide trombone, certain string instruments, and the human voice. Now, a vibrato, or tremulo, can be predetermined and added at will, like this. can be made to fit each individual tone and may include variations of intensity, frequency and timbre like this. And here then is the answer to our original question. How has it become possible for us to create all musical sounds by electronic means? We have heard the physical characteristics of which sound is composed. To this, we must add all the deviation from the mean as required for realism. Now, having broken down our musical sounds, 
Let's put it back together to see how we achieve the completeness of music itself. Music is a succession of tones so arranged as to create a desired effect. Let us synthesize a series of tones to make a melody like this. You can recognize this as Blue Skies by Irving Berlin. Now let's make another part. And still another part. Also, a deep tone part to complete the harmony. Add one more extra deep part. Finally, we synthesize them all together and we have melody and harmony. Now, if a dance band were playing this selection, it would also employ traps. So we synthesize low-pitched sounds of random frequency with the proper envelope to obtain an effect like this. High frequency sounds in the percussion category will be useful. We can synthesize random high frequencies like this. If we want a more musical rhythm part, we can synthesize a group of very high frequencies. There is nothing like a deep bass for a good foundation. Since we are not limited in this respect, we can reach way down and make now we synthesize all the rhythm and bass parts together. also synthesize a part where each tone has a rapid growth and slow decay like this.
And another. Still another like this. Finally, one like this. And when we put them all together, we have this. some additional parts, we synthesize some with tones of rapid growth, but this time also with a fast decay like this. And now we put a number of these effects together. carry on this process until we have completed as many parts as desired and finally we put all the parts together and get this result. selections which we will now present have all been produced with the RCA electronic music synthesizer. The first selection is fugue number two from the well-tempered clavier by Bach, synthesized in the style of the clavichord. Second selection is Polonaise number no. six by Chopin, synthesized in the style of the piano. The third selection is Claire de Lune by Debussy, also synthesized in the style of the piano.
The fourth selection is Hungarian Dance Number no. 1 by Brahms, synthesized without attempting to simulate any particular instrument. synthesizer, all the characteristics of a complex sound are under the control of the synthesist. It is therefore possible to produce any kind of sound including the human voice. However, to learn to control the characteristics in just the right manner to achieve realism will require considerable practice. The tenth selection is an early experiment in synthesizing a voice. Singing with organ accompaniment, the musical setting by Barnby of Tennyson's poem. Sweet and low, sweet and low, wind of the western sea. Low, low, breathe and blow, wind of the western sea. excerpts and the complete selections on the other side have been synthesized by the engineers who conceived and built the RCA electronic music synthesizer. The object to demonstrate its versatility only. In the future synthesis can bring us entirely new experiences in musical sounds. <laughs> Electronic music began as an experiment, but now after nearly 30 years of development, most of the world's studios are still using laboratory equipment designed for experimenters. The R.A. Moog 900 series modular electronic music instruments were designed and built with a composer in mind. They were developed over a 12-year period with the consultation of many experienced composers and technicians. The instruments combine a high degree of versatility with straightforward and convenient operation. The so-called classical electronic music studio, which developed step by step over the last three decades, is generally made up of several audio oscillators, filters, amplifiers, mixers, and tape recorders. The oscillators create the basic sounds used by electronic music composers. 
The most common oscillator-produced sound is a sine wave. Most classic studios also have generators to create square waves. And white noise. Occasionally a studio has generators for a sawtooth wave or other easily produced wave forms. Of course, any natural sound can be recorded for use. Filters are employed to vary the timbre of the basic sounds. For example, the square wave heard before can be filtered into or and. The composer then uses amplifiers and gain controls to vary the intensities of individual sounds and control the balance of combined sounds in ensemble. The next step is the tedious process of recording each sound or combination of sounds onto tape. The individual sounds are edited together, note by note, attack by attack, forming melody and rhythm. The process is very time-consuming with frequently as many as eight edits per inch of tape. The final balance is achieved during the mixing stage when the sounds are synchronized and combined. Although the classical studio is proven to be adequate for conveying musical expression, the technique, in practice, lacks versatility and efficiency. The Moog 900 series eliminates many of the problems through the systematic use of voltage control, a striking innovation in electronic music instrument design. Voltage control is the control of an instrument by the application of an electrical voltage in place of the usual control method of setting dials and knobs. In the classical studio, the oscillator, amplifier, and filter have their own independent controls. If you want to change the frequency of a sound generated by an oscillator, you usually adjust a calibrated dial control on the oscillator. The intensity of a sound is normally varied by adjusting the gain control of an amplifier. The 900 system can be operated by the independent control dials on the amplifiers, filters, and oscillators. However, the Moog instruments offer the composer the versatility of external voltage controls. There are many ways of operating an instrument by varying its control voltage. The simplest and most obvious is manually with a keyboard or a continuous controller. A non-manual method is having a low-frequency oscillator produce a periodic control voltage. Random white noise can be used to create random variations. A transient generator provides non-recurring variations. An oscillator was voltage controlled in each of the examples just heard. Filters and amplifiers can also be voltage controlled to produce variations of timbre and loudness. Voltage control lets electronic composers produce many new and interesting musical events unobtainable at classical studios. In fact, with suitable control devices, virtually any sound can be produced.
All of the sounds and music on this recording were produced using 900 series instruments and standard professional studio equipment. RA Moog modular instruments can be used in all areas of electronic sound and music, from real-time concert performance to direct digital computer control. You are listening to Synth Demonstration Records, Part 1, on the Archive of Electronic Music. This is Tom Holmes. Exciting, dramatic, evocative, expressive. This is the Moog synthesizer, proclaimed by musicians and audiences alike to be the most important musical instrument development of our decade. Moog Music Incorporated, the designer and builder of Moog synthesizers, invites you now to explore the sound of the Moog with us. Hear for yourself how a true synthesizer shapes musical sounds, how Moog studio synthesizers have been creatively and successfully used in virtually every type of recorded music, and how the new Moog performance synthesizers offer exciting new tonal resources to all musical performers. A true synthesizer does more than produce a wide variety of new and striking musical sounds. It provides the expressive capability of a fine solo instrument. 
Unlike an organ with its limited number of voices, a true synthesizer allows the musician to select and shape each individual part of the total tone. Thus, the musician himself constructs or synthesizes the desired sound quality. First, he selects the tone sources. Pitch tones may span the entire musical range from the lowest to the highest and will have one of many possible sets of overtones or pitched white sound may be used. The component tones are then mixed The overtone spectrum is shaped. And the loudness is precisely articulated. Modulation or rapid patterning of sound creates exciting new areas of tone color. Moog synthesizers are designed by musicians and engineers to meet the exacting requirements of creative professionals in all areas of music. We at Moog Music are proud of the wide variety of fine music that our customers have produced with Moog Studio Synthesizers. Switched on Bach by Walter Carlos, the largest selling classical LP album of all time was made entirely on a Moog Synthesizer. Gershon Kingsley's interpretation of Rhapsody in Blue uses the Moog synthesizer and piano. Here is a sample of Gandharva, an album produced by Beaver and Krauss and using Moog synthesizer with other instruments. Listen now to this section of Tarkis, the big album of Emerson, Lake and Palmer, featuring live performance on a Moog synthesizer. Many other current albums from the arenas of movie and show music, rock, jazz, country and western, and original avant-garde composition show some of the broad spectrum of musical applications of the Moog synthesizer. The new Moog performance synthesizers combine many of the important and basic functions of the larger Moog studio synthesizers with simplicity, convenience, and low cost. To the professional musician, Moog performance synthesizers are the long-awaited breakthrough that brings the sound of the Moog onto the live performance stage. Now with one portable instrument, a complete palette of musical tones is available, ranging from striking simulations of traditional instrumental qualities 
to completely new areas of musical material. And including many popular modern musical tampers that we recognize as the Moog sound. <laughs> Music that you are listening to was produced at the Moog Studio by Chris Swanson. Chris played each of the parts on a mini Moog, one of the Moog performance synthesizers. For more examples of the sound of the Moog in recorded and live music, listen to side two of this record.
それでは、ご声援でお迎えください。松田正さんです。
Tom Holmes. You've been listening to Synth Demonstration Records, Part 1, on the Archive of Electronic Music. The playlist for this podcast can be found on the podcast website. If you would like to learn more about the history of electronic music, please read my book, Electronic and Experimental Music, published by Routledge. Thank you so much for listening. So long until next time from the Archive of Electronic Music. All of the music heard in this podcast, unless otherwise indicated, is brought to you from the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music, a curated collection of vintage recordings. For a complete playlist, go to theholmesarchive.podbean.com. All crackles, surface noise, and other imperfections heard in this podcast are purely intentional. All intro, outro, and other incidental music is by Tom Holmes, unless otherwise noted in the playlist. For notes about this episode, please see the blog Noise and Notations at TomHolmes.com. So long from deep inside the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music.